Hello, and welcome to Lines from Loganberry, from Loganberry Books. We are a local independent bookshop located in the historic Larchmere neighborhood of beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. With this podcast, we hope to stay connected to you as we weather the coronavirus storm together. Each week, we will help you discover new books, rave about our latest favorite reads, and check in with our friendly bookstore cat Otis to learn more about what's going on in our humble shop. For more information about Loganberry Books, visit our website at loganberrybooks.com or check our social media at Loganberry Books on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On today's episode, author Maggie Sullivan speaks to Local Voices manager Maisha Hedden to discuss her book, Boss Ladies of Klee, and teaches authors how to market and promote their books on a low budget. Having years of experience helping companies with digital marketing and content creation, she shares her knowledge today on Lines from Loganberry. So today, for Lines of Loganberry, we have our guest, Maggie Sullivan, who wrote Boss Ladies of Klee. Maggie will be talking with us about her extraordinary new book that was published during the pandemic in 2020, and also teaching us about how to market and publicize your book. Because as I said inside of the uh, promos for this, you can write the best book in the world, but if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to read it. You know, that so much of your job as a writer is marketing and promotion. With that, let's introduce Maggie Sullivan. In 2020, Maggie Sullivan self-published Boss Ladies of Clay, a book of interviews and photojournalism of 20 Cleveland women in diverse fields, such as the judiciary, the arts, and small business. Through promotion and marketing, her book gained features in print media such as Cleveland Magazine, Freshwater, television such as WKYC, Fox 8, the local affiliate for ABC, and Spectrum News. Her marketing success led to hundreds of sales online, in bookstores, and to libraries. In a professional capacity, Maggie helps assist multiple companies in increasing their brand awareness, content creation, and local market expansion. Maggie Sullivan, welcome to Loganberry Books. Thanks so much for having me, Maisha. Wonderful. We are happy to have you. Okay, so let's open it up with our first question for you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your professional background and help us to understand how did you come up with the idea for making Boss Ladies of Clay? So my background is in journalism and PR and marketing, and I really did write the book because I wanted to read it. I was feeling a bit stuck and lost at sea, and I loved reading memoirs and listening to podcasts like How I Built This, but I wanted to know what those success stories looked like in Cleveland. You really can't be what you can't see. So at a glance, I saw men running our city. That made me want to go deeper and learn about the stories of women who were able to find autonomy and power in this life and see if their stories could empower others like myself who are craving those resources to do the same. I think that you really succeeded. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I think you really succeeded in that. I remember especially um, the interview that you did with Julia Quo. I forget exactly what your question was, but she was like the most, one of the most important things for you to do as an artist is just keep putting your art in the world. No matter what, no matter who's paying attention to it, just make sure that you're constantly creating content. I've definitely taken that to heart. And it was 
Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty inspirational to hear her say that. I'm sure you have tons where you felt like pretty inspired by the interviews. Yeah, I live by the words of those big women every day and, and try, try and piece together my own life based off of their advice and, and their, their stories and those journeys. Wonderful. So the other thing that jumped out at me about Boss Ladies of Clay is that it's a remarkably diverse book. You have people who are differently abled. You have a spectrum of age. You have women in their 20s, but you've got also middle-aged and elderly women inside of there. You've got diversity in race. And I mean, just an entire spectrum of careers. You obviously were just like, some people are chefs. Some people are in clothing. You know, some people are in the judiciary. Some people are in journalism. Like you really captured so much of like life's diversity inside of the book. And I wanted to know, how did you go about creating that kind of diversity? Because when you, when you make something that that's diverse, it's, it's intentional. Like that sort of thing doesn't just kind of accidentally happen. So how did you create that diversity? Well, well first of all, thank you. Really, thank you so much for saying that. I, and it is unfortunate that it ha- that has to be the case, that it has to be intentional. Um, you know, that the lack of diversity is still such a big question and an issue in literature and in the broader media. But I knew I wanted to create a diverse book from the get-go because I wanted everybody from Cleveland to look at my book and see a version of themselves represented in those pages and think, maybe I can do that too. It really goes back to the issue of, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And uh, I guess to ensure that, I probably did research on over 100 women just to make sure that I was stepping out of my own experiences and not just taking people that came to top of mind. Very important. You had to do research and you had to look for them, right? Right. Just curious, what was your initial approach to women who you didn't already know? Like, what was your first reach out? Like, was it an email? Did you do phone calls? Well, I didn't know any of the women who are featured in the book. So it was all cold email. (laughs) And I I think I was just honest. Um, I felt like I had nothing to lose. You know, these people didn't know who I was. And I thought the worst thing that can happen is they still don't know who I am and just ignore my email. So um I just cold emailed everyone. I was really honest. I said, I admire you and your career and I'm working on this project. Would you like to be a part of it? Perfect. And I think it's that kind of boldness and preparation that's necessary for the marketing and promotion of, um, of a book, which we're going to get into right now, because when you're going to sell your book, you are putting yourself out there. Like literally you put your soul into this project and now you're gonna to have to like sell it to people who you don't know and potentially get your feelings crushed. So with that segue, if everybody's not entirely depressed, um, let's get hand it over to Maggie. Are you ready? I can do the screen share with you. Yes, I'm ready. Thank you so much. So thanks again to everyone who's here tonight and welcome to How to Market Your Book with No Money. I'm really glad to be hosting this talk with Logan Bray Books because publishing a book is so hard and marketing it is even harder. So many authors don't have much in the way of a marketing budget. And if you're a self-published author like myself, imagining how you're going to get people to buy your book can be so intimidating that it kills your whole project. So the unfortunate reality is that most self-published authors will sell less than 250 books over its lifetime. And we, we wanna change that. 
As a little background, my book was published at the end of May 2020, and I ensured its success through marketing. So I'm just here to share a little bit about what worked for me when I was launching my book, and hopefully you can use some of these tips and tactics for making your project a success too. I hope this presentation can serve as a framework for building a business around your book, and you can really customize and make these tactics your own. As I'm going through this, hopefully you can imagine how you can tailor some of these ideas so that they're authentic to your own project. Because what works for one person may not work for someone else who's publishing a book in a different genre or a completely different audience. So I mentioned this briefly in the intro, but to successfully market your book, you need to think of your book as a business and you need to treat it like one. So promoting a book is like a full-time job. If you really want to make a splash and drive book sales, doing so is going to take so much time. So the first thing you need to do is commit. And this seems obvious, but you need to really ask yourself, do you understand the long hours and the letdowns and the challenges that are ahead of you? And are you really going to do this? Because if you're messing around in the gray area, you're not really gonna get anywhere. With book marketing, it's kind of like you're in or you're out. So I'd recommend creating a plan for what hours of the day you're going to dedicate to marketing and be consistent with actually putting in that time. Even if you only have one or two hours a day free, making the most of that time consistently can really make all of the difference. There's gonna be days when you come home from work and you just wanna sleep or watch TV or, or, or do anything else that's important to you. But giving into this temptation to just relax and, and not work on your project is a sure way to let it slowly die. And balance, is, balance in your life is important, but with book marketing, every minute really counts and adds up. So you need to make sure that you're putting in that time every single day. So for a little context, at the peak of my project, I would do things like wake up 10 minutes earlier to get a little work done. I took the bus to work instead of driving so that I could have 30 minutes of focused time on marketing. I skipped things that were important to me, like maybe working out. I would work over my lunch break and I worked my whole weekends away because that's what it took for me to get some traction for my book. So what does it mean to build a business around your book exactly? So first of all, it means you take it seriously and you treat it like the fragile, fledgling venture that it is. Like it's your baby and your heart burns to see it grow and thrive. It means you create an entire brand around your project. So this means, you know, you're carefully selecting the colors, the fonts, the images, and the logos that convey the energy that you're trying to put into the world with your writing. You create customer personas that help you understand who you're trying to reach with your marketing. So this includes basic demographics like age, race, gender identity, geographic location, but it also goes deeper. You know, do you understand the lifestyle of your customer? What do they ache for in life? What factors make them buy things? Where do they shop? Are they on social media or do you need to reach them elsewhere? There's a lot of information about how to build customer personas if you do a quick Google search, so I won't go too deep into this, but it's really important that you know who you're marketing to and are building that brand for the business of your book. And this is kind of give or take, depending on if you have a publisher or not, but you know, it might mean that you're responsible for your accounting and operations. And even if you do have a publisher, you should be aware of the financial situation of your business and your book, right? So before you spend any money on marketing, determine what the cost of your book is, what your essential overhead is, like if you're paying for your own printing, how many books you realistically need to sell to break even, and then create a system to keep track of sales and expenditures and decide how you're going to invoice customers if that's your responsibility and um, how you're going to complete transactions. So doing this will really put into perspective how little you truly have available to spend on marketing and how hard you will have to hustle to make it work. 
And the fourth thing is just be professional. This sounds obvious, but you know, expect no favors. If you want a store to carry your book, pitch them like you're on Shark Tank. Deliver your books on time. Make sure all of your communications are respectful and accurate because you're the CEO, the spokesperson, and the customer service representative for your whole company. And you need to act like it whenever you interact with someone about your book. I think especially as women, it can be really easy for us to shy away from the limelight and say like, oh, it's just this little thing that I'm working on. You know, it's cute, but it's not a little thing at all. It's a huge undertaking and you need to carry yourself like a professional who's proud of what she's doing, regardless of if you're talking to the media about your book or your Aunt Joan. So moving on to kind of the actual marketing side of things, before your book is even published, you want to start creating a buzz about your story uh, and get your story straight. So why does your book matter? You need to know this in order to sell a single copy. What makes it unique? So for example, are you telling a story that hasn't been told before? Is it hyper relevant to the time period that we're in or a particular city? Are you writing for an audience that literature has underserved? Does your book cover a notable public figure? Is it the greatest love story of all time? Or is it an urgent warning about the future of humanity? So regardless of if your book is fiction or nonfiction, you need an angle for why it matters and why people should even pay any attention to it at all. I think this starts with telling everybody about your book. I understand many of you may have hesitations about this because I definitely did. It can be really scary to talk about your project that is not yet a success or is not yet even published. But once I did start telling people, I was able to gauge the success of the project based on their reactions. And oftentimes I would explain the project and people said, yes, Cleveland needs this. And for the most part, they got it immediately. But hearing their responses kept me going and I was able to reshape my narrative based on the questions that they would ask so that eventually I could provide a clear, concise, cohesive response when somebody asked what my book was about. So when someone asks what your book is about, you don't want to say, oh, it's a fantasy book and it's about dragons. And, you know, if, if you don't like fantasy, you probably won't get it. You know, tell them why it matters. Tell them why they would like it. Maybe it's a fantasy novel about dragons who are having a territory dispute and it paints a real life picture of what happens when two cultures clash. You know, make it relevant, make it meaningful. Once you decide that why, make sure to keep it short, like one to two sentences. It's an elevator pitch, right? Rambling isn't gonna do you any favors and you need to leave room for people who are intrigued to follow up with questions. Knowing this, the basic answer to what your book is and why it matters will also make making your marketing materials 10 times easier. So the other part of creating a buzz in advance is soliciting advance reviews. And to save money, you can send people a digital copy of a near final manuscript. The best thing to do is to probably ask esteemed friends or connections for a one to two sentence advance review. But if you're like me and you have no esteemed friends, you'll have to do your research on who may be interested in being associated with your book and kind of roll the dice and asking them to review it. And once again, you can't offer them money, but you can offer them compliments. I love your work. I love what you do. I admire you. And you can offer them a copy of your book and the notoriety of having their name on the back of it. So for example, my book is very niche. You know, it's about women who live in Cleveland and have built very meaningful careers for themselves on their own terms. And I wanted an advanced review on the back cover that would reflect the same energy. 
I needed somebody who was an authority on the topic, so a boss lady in her own right, who had a platform to reach people on and who readers would recognize if they picked up the book and saw her name on the back and would just be so excited and trust her review. So with all that in mind, my dream reviewer was Courtney Covers Cleveland, and I rolled the dice. I crafted, you know, a cold email pitching her on my book concept. I kind of name dropped who was featured in the book. And by the grace of God, she just, she said, yes, she read it and she provided an advanced review. That was kind of luck there too, a little bit, which happens sometimes. Another secret to soliciting advanced reviews is to draft a couple of options for the reviewer. So especially if people aren't writers by trade, it can be hard for people to put something together or maybe they're just not sure exactly what you need. So what I did is I provided a few quote options for Courtney's review and I said she can either choose one that feels right or she can edit it to make it her own or she can provide something completely new on her, on her own, something completely different. And she ended up just approving one of the options that I drafted and this makes the process go a lot quicker and it also puts less work on the reviewer who's already doing you a big courtesy by reading your book and providing an advanced review. And this is not unethical, it happens all the time in the industry. And once you get that advanced review, you can put it on your book cover, your website, your social media, and wherever else you're promoting your book. Of course, once it's printed, you need to always be sure to send a copy to the reviewer along with a thank you note. Another part of creating a buzz in advance and throughout the longevity of your project is promoting it on social media. So this is, you know, of course, a really free thing to do that everybody's a little bit familiar with. But when you're promoting your book on social media, you can't just post a picture of your book cover and expect people to show up. You have to really pimp out your social media profiles to make sure that you're sharing content that people actually want to see. So the most obvious, easiest rule of thumb is to ask yourself if you would follow an account that is posting what you're about to post. Is it interesting? Are you learning something? Is it relevant to your life or to the moment that we're in? Is it entertaining? So usually to meet these criteria, your content should be one of three things, you know, educational, entertaining, or aspirational. Um, it also helps uh, if you lean into your niche or uh, the local angle too, because that always makes content more relevant to your audience also. At the end of the day, you just want to make sure you're providing value to people. So to create a buzz for my book in the beginning, I really leaned into the prominence of the women in it. These women were already well admired. So I teased the chance to get to know their stories a little better and learn about their paths to success in Cleveland. For this slide, I thought about pulling a few examples of author pages that are doing really well, but I decided against it because Honestly, I didn't take much inspiration from others' pages when setting out to market my book. I wanted to do things differently and in a way that felt right for me and was an authentic representation of the project and the women featured in the book and the city that it all took place in. So that's what I, that's the same advice I'd give to you too. You know, what works for me might not work for you. It, it just has to be authentic to the project that you're working on, to your voice as an author, or to that particular niche that you're working within. Of course, there still are some content ideas that we can go off of. One is to just share pictures of pull quotes or book excerpts. So if you have a paragraph from your book that you really love, you can pull that, put it on an image and share it on social. Images of the book, images of things or people related to your book topic. So 
for example, I love these images of like vintage ladies. I just thought it fit very well with my project. And it wasn't something that I had to create. I just had to source those images from Pinterest and reshare them. You can share timely news pieces or commentaries. So for example, if you wrote about the climate crisis, you can share news and what's happening on that front because it is relevant to your project. You can share user-generated content. So if somebody takes a picture of your book and shares it on their social media, you can then share it to your followers and just reuse it. You can do live streams or Q and A's if you have the confidence to kind of get in front of the camera and talk about your project. Any coverage that you get from the media or from influencers, you can share behind the scenes shots of, of you getting ready to publish your book, which is something that people really loved on my page. And also just provide general updates, like if you are selling your book at a new store or a boutique, updates about any special deals or giveaways you're going to do, and just get creative with it. So it is important for people to see what your book looks like so if they can tell if they want to buy it. So if you must post a photo of your book, make sure to get creative. You know, don't just lay it on your kitchen table under bad lighting and call it a day. With one single photo, you're trying to get people to want your book. So you have to make it look cool and get people to think that having this book is going to make their lives better in some way or that if they're missing out, if they don't read it. So this doesn't have to take a lot of work or require an expensive camera. These shots, for example, I all took on my cell phone. So all you have to do is take an hour or so every now and then to take clean, clear shots of your book in different settings. And once again, just get creative. You know, you can tie it in with the seasons. This tree one I took as during the holidays to kind of remind people, hey, it's a great gift to give to the boss lady in your life. Or, you know, this one, we're available at Loganberry. And by the way, stop by and see this cool mural. So just try and get a couple different shots of your book, show the inside, show the outside, especially if you have pictures, make sure to capitalize on that. A lot of people are already familiar with Canva, but I did think I'd share this as a tip just because it's a great online tool that you can use to create professional looking marketing materials for free. Um, you know, I'm not a graphic designer, so creating social media images isn't really my forte, but this online tool makes it really easy. I also use it to create media kits and invoices and basically any kind of marketing materials because it's just, it's simple. It does the sizing properly. So this is a great tool to leverage. Another idea is just to create a book trailer. Once again, this doesn't have to be anything fancy. I think mine looks kind of homemade, but you know what? It's better than having nothing out there at all. You can use free video editing tools and just work with what you have, you know, at the bare minimum, start with what you can do. If this is your first project, you know, maybe you can take it to the next level for your next book, but we're just, uh, it's better to have something than nothing is, is my philosophy. Okay, so now we're going to dive into kind of the media and influencer relations side of things, which can be a little more sticky and a little more complicated than just social media, right? So media relations is the process of trying to build mutually beneficial relationships with the press. And the key word here is mutually beneficial because the press does not owe you any type of coverage whatsoever. And you can't just say, hey, I wrote this book. Would you write a story about it? Once again, you have to give them a good reason why they should cover it. So for the media to write a story about the release of your book, it needs to provide some sort of value to them. It has to be something that their readers want to click on or something that will help round out a new angle to a story or, you know, add to something that's already in the works. And you have to make it as easy as possible for them to tell your story. 
right? These are journalists, they have deadlines, and they don't really have a lot of time to, to dance around and figure out what your story is about if you're not able to provide direct answers. So that being said, there's a lot of different types of media to consider to pitch. And uh, you can consider what publications and news outlets and influencers would find your book relevant. So if your book has a broad enough reach, you can dream of getting placements in national news, but be sure to consider who your audience is and where to reach them. So for example, if you wrote a book about making the most out of retirement, you can pitch that to AARP. Or if you wrote a young adult novel, maybe the audience of Seventeen magazine would be interested. If you wrote about fishing, try to reach people through niche magazines like Outdoor Life. The same is true of podcasts and influencers. There's a medium out there for everything. And no matter what lifestyle you're targeting, there's somebody out there celebrating that lifestyle and who is an authority on the topic. Influencers aren't an official media source, but they run blogs or social media accounts of their own, generally with a very specific audience. Many of you have probably heard of Bookstagram. So there's people who are running Instagram accounts entirely dedicated to reviewing books. And, you know, it's not like it's an official magazine, but they still have a lot of influence and reach within a very specific community of readers. So people like that are great to reach out to. There's also opportunities to earn reviews within the literary community and other book review sites, which can be a great starting point. And I'd recommend starting small, you know, don't go after the biggest or most coveted media placement first. Start with the smaller publications or influencers so that you have a chance to refine your pitch, get your story right, and see what works and what doesn't. It's also easier to get major media placements after your book already has some momentum and some recognition and existing hits. So once you decide what types of publications you're going to go after, you need to research the right reporter. This is really important. I wouldn't pitch Boss Ladies of Plea to a health reporter at Cleveland.com. You know, you have to go find the arts and entertainment person. And these days, there may not even be an arts and entertainment person because staff is so short. So it can take some sleuthing to find the right person. And to that, I do have a few tips. You know, you can try finding the reporter with the right beat under the staff or the contact us pages of the publication's website. Another thing to do is just read similar stories and check the byline to see who covered it. You can Google that reporter then and see if they have a personal website or a Twitter account that they put their email address in the bio. Or as a last resort, you can fill out the general contact us form to send a pitch to a general email address. And, and you want to get as specific and target a real person when possible, but sometimes you just can't find the right person. And it's better to kind of reach out to avoid than not reach out at all, right? So after you find some reporters to get in touch with, you want to build a really organized media list. And this can just be done in Excel to keep track of who you're going to reach out to, what their title is and what media outlet they're working for. I separated my list into tabs for traditional media, for social media influencers, blogs that I was going to personally contribute to. And using this tool, you can kind of color code it to keep track of who you've reached out to so far, if you received a response or not, if they were a go or if they said, no, this isn't for us. And that'll just help you keep track of where you're at and, and remind you of when you need to follow up with somebody. So now that we have our media list built, we need to really consider our angle and what is going to make our book newsworthy and worth covering. So these five pillars can really act as a guide to finding your angle and how to pitch your book. 
these are kind of the things that make a story newsworthy is relevance. You know, what makes your book relevant to the moment we're in? For me, it was women in leadership being a hot topic. It's been kind of trending for the past couple of years. So it was a really good time to release a project like this. Prominence, you know, does your book cover someone of note? Of course, I leaned into that one a lot too. Proximity, so a local angle is always going to be more impactful than something happening far away. That's also why I was able to have a lot of success in Cleveland media outlets. Timeliness, can you tie your book to a season or a holiday or to current trends? And then finally impact, you know, what impact will your book have on readers or on society? And for me, that was, you know, these stories can help put other women in power, you know, by kind of blazing that path and, and getting the story out there. So once you decide what makes it newsworthy, it's time to make your pitch. And we'll go over this together. This is a real pitch that I drafted. I had a hundred variations of this, but this is just an example. Starting with the subject, make it intriguing, you know, give reporters a reason to open it and want to learn more. And with my subject line, I actually envisioned this being the title of an article in new book, Women Run Cleveland. So that was just an idea to, like a free idea to give reporters to kind of take and run with if they wanted it. Nobody took it, but you know, it's there if they wanted it. The next thing is to address people by their name. You need to personalize each pitch. And from there, just keep it short. You know, you don't want to give away your whole story. You just want to get them interested. You know, tell them what it is. False Ladies of Clee is a new book right there. It's a book. And then get into why it's important or relevant. So those five pillars of newsworthiness that we just talked about. It's a new book that aims to put more women in power through telling the stories of 20 locals, and there's the local angle, who have already tapped into it. The book features inspiration and advice from celebrated Cleveland entrepreneurs, artists, activists, STEM workers, elected officials, and more. So there we go again, leaning on the prominence. And then I call out the women by name. Once again, prominence. From there, you want to ask a direct question. Let me know if you're interested in learning more or writing a story for your readers. And then you want to be sure to provide any attachments or links where people can learn more information. So I linked to my website and I also attached my media brief, which we'll talk about next. And finally, offer a copy of the book. Offer an opportunity to connect or for a chance to get in touch and be sure all of your contact information is included in the email. So there we are, we've made our pitch, we're feeling great. Chances are you're gonna send off 50 of these before your book launches and then it'll be crickets. So this is where it comes time to follow up. You're gonna to have to follow up a lot. And one way to follow up is to get creative and kind of suggest a certain story angle that might intrigue them. So, you know, it doesn't have to be just an article about your book, it can be an article about something bigger than your book. So this is one example of a follow-up that I sent you know, an angle you may consider taking with the story is that women are underrepresented at every level in almost every industry in Cleveland and the state of Ohio, and it's far worse for women of color. And here are some quick stats. So that's already a good foundation for the reporter to build a story about. And from there, I gave them a reason to weave in my book. You know, we'll never see more women in positions of power without increasing the visibility and sharing the stories of those who have already tapped into it. And that's what Boss Ladies of Clee does. So you can kind of go that route and suggest your own angle, or you can send a simple follow-up. You know, after that, I followed up again on the same idea. And after that, I kept it simple. At that point, I just wanted a response, right? Any interest in Boss Ladies of Klee? If you let me know what your preferred address is, I can send you a copy of the book. And from there, I got a response, right? 
The timeline for following up can be very delicate. You want to keep your book at the top of mind, but you don't want to be rude or annoying, right? So in my opinion, I think it's okay to follow up politely every few weeks, as long as your message is personal and until you get a response, any response. So even if the reporter says no or will consider it, be sure to thank them for getting back to you because that's the name of the game. You want to keep the door open for future communication. That's what media relations is all about. You can also get creative, you know, try interacting with a reporter on Twitter. And I wouldn't say directly pitch your book, but one thing I did is, you know, you could retweet their work or engage with them in a thread and kind of get them to check out your Twitter profile or something like that. And that's actually how I ended up getting featured in Cleveland Magazine because I wasn't hearing back from the people I had pitched and I ended up, you know, retweeting something they said and ended up having a conversation that way. And they, they did reach back out to me about my pitch after that and said, we don't know how we overlooked this. So sometimes you just need a little nudge on a different platform. If you're not getting a response, you can also think, is there something going on in the news that you can tie your book to? So maybe it's a beach read just in time for summer. Maybe it's a murder mystery just in time for Halloween. For me right now would be a good time to pitch my book for Women's History Month. Your book doesn't have to be the centerpiece of the story. You can also pitch it to be included in a listicle or a roundup of books or a roundup of gifts for the holidays or something like that. Or you can be quoted as a subject matter expert. So for example, if you wrote a book about the benefits of green juice, you may pitch your expertise to be included in stories related to staying healthy during the pandemic or during flu season. So that's just kind of a creative way to, to weave your book into the story without having direct coverage of it. So some things you can do to control the narrative of your story is to provide a media brief and a media kit, and of course, have your talking points down. So a media brief makes it easy for reporters to get more information on your book and decide if they want to cover it. If they see that the story is already laid out for them, they may be more inclined to write about your book. So you want to cover the basics that a reporter will have about your book, such as who is it about, what makes it newsworthy, why you wrote it, where people can buy it or learn more, and when it was published. In my media brief, I also included a fact just to provide reporters with a little more detail and let them know that there really is a story that goes deep here. Your media brief doesn't have to be fancy. It can just be a Word doc, but once again, it helps to really pimp out everything you do. I just made this in Canva, and once I started using it over my Word doc, I did see an increase in interest from reporters just by adding a few photos and a few design elements. You'll also wanna create a media kit. So once a reporter is interested in covering your book, you can send them this. For me, I just created a shareable folder in Google Drive. And this uh, media kit should contain all of the essential information that a reporter may be seeking. So this includes your media brief, high resolution photos, a digital copy of your full book. And I also included two videos and the original photos of the women in my book because that was requested a lot. And producers have indeed leveraged it when creating news stories. Having this together just kind of signals to the media that you're prepared, and you're easy to work with, which once again is really important to journalists who are working on deadlines. Plus, when it comes time for you to do an interview, you'll already have your story straight because you've put together your press materials and your media brief. It can be really easy to ramble on or get nervous and not know what to say about your book, but if you already created this media brief, all you have to do is stick to those talking points, what your book is and why it's important, and you'll be good shape. And it'll be easier to not get lost or rambled on about something completely different. 
So I'd say if there's one thing you should spend money on, it's comped copies and mailings. If you're able to get your book in someone's hands, it's almost guaranteed that they'll write about it. So whether I was reaching out to the press or to influencers, I always offered to send them a copy. People love getting things for free. And then when you think about it, the cost of one book for me was around $7 uh, plus $2.80 to send it over media mail. And if that person wrote about it or posted about it and thousands of people saw that, that's a huge return on investment. And you cannot buy that kind of exposure for less than $10, which is what a mailing might cost you if you have a paperback. That's 200 pages at least. <laughs> I also comped a copy for everyone who was featured in the book. And if you have people involved in your project, you should do this too. First of all, it's just the courteous thing to do as a thank you for your time. And second of all, many of the women have huge networks of their own and we're more than happy to share that they're a part of the book and that they love the book and that you too should read the book. If you do get a media hit, you're gonna wanna extend the reach of the hit by reposting it on your social media accounts. So news outlets like to have their content heavily viewed and shared. It's how they make money. And plus this will help you reach a larger audience and even gain interest from other reporters who might wanna write their own story on your book. I'm gonna take a break here to say that media relations is a constant grind. You're probably going to need to follow up a lot before getting a bite. A lot of people are going to tell you no, and that's okay. Your story is not going to be for everybody. It's a process. You may not get any press right out of the gate at the time your book launches, which can feel really disheartening, but stick with it. You know, right now we have a weekly series on WKYC, but I didn't even hear back from that station until August. And we didn't do the first segment until late September, which was five months after my publishing date. So these things just take time. And there are still media book, media outlets that won't answer my emails or cover my book. And you can't take this stuff personally. There might be a million reasons why they're not answering your emails. So that being said, there are things you can do on your own if the media isn't giving you the time of day. One of those things is to write your own story. You don't have to wait around for someone to else to write a story about your book. You can write a byline article for a publication like I did for Cranes. These types of articles are not really meant to be promotional, but you can intrigue people about your book's topic by writing about the subject of your book and subtly weaving in the fact that you wrote a whole book on the topic. You can also start your own blog or your own YouTube channel or host an event related to the topic of your book to pique people's interest. This takes a lot of work, but it's a sure way to control your own narrative and extend the reach of your project. We're running low on time here, so the last thing that I wanna talk about is SEO and online visibility. You need someplace online where people can go to learn about your book. This includes the press, it includes customers, it includes bookstores, libraries, people from high school that wanna creep on you. So if you're self-publishing, this probably means that you should create a website. And this sounds like a lot of work, and it is, but it doesn't have to be super fancy or expensive. You can use a free website tool like Wix or just get a very basic plan. So I think mine was less than $100 a year and I'm even able to process orders on it. So for me, that was a worthwhile investment. If you have a publisher, maybe your books hub will be on their website and it'll be its own page. Uh, or maybe you put everything there is to know on your Facebook page. It just kind of depends on what your needs are, but you need to have some place to direct people to learn more. Now, if you're interested in buying a book, what's the first thing that you do? 
you're going to Google it. So your book has to appear on the first page of Google for this reason. Ideally, at the top of the page, and most ideally, it will take up the entire page of search results. So if you look at this page, the result that draws the most attention is the knowledge panel on the right. The Google gods did not create this. I did. All you have to do is go to googlebooks.com and fill out all of the information on your book. That's how you get this results to appear. It's a really easy, really simple thing you can do to improve your online visibility. The rest of these search results are basically from content that I put out. So the more often you update your website and your social media, the more likely it will be to rank on Google and the greater diversity of results it will find, it will show. So, you know, for example, if we go further down this page, we have video results, we have image results, we have news results, which just gives people a greater reason to uh, look into your book when they Google it and it intrigues them and sh shows them, you know, this is something that has gained a lot of attention and it's worth buying. Hi, Maggie, that was amazing. Just uh, over in the chat box, people were talking about how incredibly useful that was. It was, you gave an incredible presentation that was so chock full of information. I'm sure everybody on here is super grateful. You did a wonderful job. Like every bit of uh, your knowledge and also the amazing amount of preparation that you put into it showed. And we are ever so grateful. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for like listening to me talk for 40 minutes. Loganberry Books is open to the public Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can order books from us at store.loganberrybooks.com. You can also order from us by calling the store directly at 216-795-9800 or by emailing books at logan.com with your specific requests. You can support us by purchasing through our affiliate pages on bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash Loganberry Books at loganberry.papertrail.com for digital ebooks or on libro.fm for all your audiobook needs. Join our listener support program where you can donate as little as 99 cents a month, less than $12 a year, to keep this podcast going. Go to our website at loganberrybooks.com, check our social media at Loganberry Books, and make sure to rate and subscribe to Lines from Loganberry and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Lines from Loganberry was produced and edited by Ted Hubish. As always, tune in next week for more bookish content from Loganberry Books. Thank you for listening. <laughs>